Oh yeah, well Ukraine, we actually covered that during the yeah. during the midst of all this, right? They're supposedly bombed to smithereens. Their head, their heads of government are putting out videos showing that the whole thing is a prison planet matrix system, and then they announce they're doing other test pilots on CBDC right now. I'm like, this was like a couple weeks ago. I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. I, I thought these guys are in the middle of a war. The leader of their country hasn't had a chance to change out of his GI Joe pajamas or shave in what a year now. But they have time to launch a CBDC pilot and uh, put out promotional videos that their whole country looks like Terminator. <laughs> like what? Did are you the kidding? promotional videos have their current president dancing around shirtless in leather pants? <laughs> It's crazy. And then the guy comes to the United States literally in his uh, first grade G.I. Joe pajamas. I mean, it's, it's yeah. outrageous. Anyways, we continue. In Singapore, the SingPass platform provides a digital identity linked to an individual's biometrics, facial recognition, and fingerprints. Any identification framework requires a high standard of cybersecurity. <laughs> They're sitting here telling us that they have to make sure that there's no no hacking, no identity theft. But yet, in another study, they told us a whole bunch of hacking and identity theft is coming right then, towards you. And here's the best part, Jim. If you look into any of these major government contracted, quote unquote, cybersecurity firms, you know, like ones that Rudy Giuliani sits on the board of. They are riddled with NSA and CIA guys, right? Those same guys, if you go research them, like let's take former head of the NSA, Keith Alexander. He sits on the board of the Artificial Intelligence Foundation that's working on building mind twins and digital twins, sitting on the same board with the guy that is working on this technology that I showed the other day that could be like the AI, personal Jesus, antichrist. So you find all these so-called cybersecurity contract companies are all the same NSA and CIA guys that are sitting on the board, all the people building the digital twinning and the artificial intelligence. It's crazy. But they love you and they're here to protect you. Right. So I'm going to read part of this is not highlighted. It says, however, design features matter for their overall impact in the cross-border context of whether CBDCs will serve the broader public interest. Remember, every country is working on their own CBDC how do you get them all to work together, right? With different laws, different jurisdictions, different societal uh, norms, and, and different currencies. So the BIS goes on to say, one potential concern is that the use of CBDCs across borders might exacerbate the risk of currency substitution, whereby foreign digital currency displaces the domestic currency to the de detriment of financial stability and monetary sovereignty. They always tell you what they're really going to do. You just have to be able to read between the lines and, or, or pick up on the little phrases. They flat out say in that sentence that CBDCs are going to totally take over monetary sovereignty. You will lose monetary sovereignty. That's what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You see, you see this uh, doublespeak in all of their documents. Um, this yep. is what my friend Dan Golvach, who's been studying theology and occultism and stuff for over 40 years, he was on episode 115, and he was talking about when you when you look at this from the spiritual side, like this dark stuff they're into, they call this revelation of method. And they basically tell you exactly what they're going to do because it clears their conscience and their karma. So when they do it, in their mind is, hey, hey we, we told warned you. you. So. 
We gave you a chance to revolt. You guys chose not to. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's go here. This is talking about CBDCs combined with digital IDs. So the cross-border use of account-based CBDCs will require international cooperation. Again, every com- country, all the countries have to get along. They all have to trust each other. One challenge relates to the use of digital ID information outside the originating country. As a supranational digital ID would require unprecedented concentration of an individual's information, (laughs) it would be politically fraught. However, a supranational digital ID scheme would not be necessary for cross-border cooperation on CBDCs. (laughs) Oh, this is brilliant. Of particular promise are multi-CBDCs, or M-CBDC. It's a small M, folks, just like mRNA. (laughs) Arrangements that join up CBDCs to interoperate across borders. Right. That's that's all similar to the small M-Bridge, the M-Bridge project out of the BIS Innovation Hub, which is the cross-border testing going on. Yeah, you'll see in other documents for retail CBDC, they'll have a small R. For wholesale, they'll have a small W. We're done with this document. Okay, we are done. So now this document here, let's just see. This is Green Bonds, the uh, Reserve Management Perspective. Central banks are playing an increasingly active role in promoting the move towards a sustainable global economy. I like the word promoting. <laughs> it's an interesting term to, to put in that sentence, um, i.e. marketing. Yeah, exactly. A, a, a pertinent example is the recently established Network for Greening the Financial System, NGFS, which brings together around 40 central banks, supervisory agencies, and international financial institutions to develop a coordinated response to climate-related risk in the global financial system because the word earth warming by half a degree (laughs) is not good for banks. Still can't figure that out. I would love to know how it is. I, th- uh, I think it's it's network for greening the financial system. That means they're going to get more money. <laughs> network for greening our pockets. <laughs> yep. Who who runs and owns the financial system? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Central banks can use various tools to support the greening of the financial system. <laughs> These range from disclosure requirements and the provision of data to the integration of climate-related risk into financial stability assessments. Again, banks now, small banks have to hire a team of staff to just track this stuff and follow the regulations. What does that do to small banks or any small business? Go into any industry. The small businesses get regulated out of business. Mm Mm-hmm. Or they have to sell to a bigger fish 
because they can't afford the regulations. Yeah, that's always the plan. That's why, you know, when you see, when you see over the years the lobbyists working for the big companies writing these complicated laws, and you would say, why would the big companies want to have to deal with all these new regulations and laws? No, it's to cement them into power because now the little guy has to sell or close his doors because he can't comply. Yep. yep. Central banks can use various tools. Uh, oh, we just read that sentence. So in addition, central banks can help mobilize funds to contribute to the large-scale public sector investment required to reach the goals of the Paris Agreement on Climate Change. In this context, a key tool is the portfolios of assets that central banks have been entrusted to manage in the context of their country's exchange rate uh, policies, foreign exchange reserves. Okay. <laughs> Green bonds, safety and returns support their incorporation into reserve portfolios, but their accessibility and liquidity currently pose some constraints. So what they're doing here is they want these green bonds, which somebody like the IMF or even, you know, just a commercial bank can issue. They want the, to be able to get that bond as an asset that central banks can hold. What does that do? It grows the size of the bonds, right? The market. They're creating the market. Mm. We can skip that. This is uh, fascinating. Skip this. Uh, let's see. Anecdotal evidence suggests that the resulting excess levels of reserves have led to reserve managers to place more emphasis on achieving adequate returns. For example, by diversifying the asset and currency composition of their portfolios. So again, these green bonds, they're trying to create the market. So then people like or asset managers like BlackRock will go and invest a ton of money in them. So how does this so how does this actually work? The green bonds. The green bond? Yeah. Oh, we're gonna get into that in other documents okay. in detail. Okay. Yeah. Uh the rest of this document so far is just talking about, uh, you know, introducing the same sustainability. Um, so explicit integration can be achieved by central banks that are able to specify sustainability as one of the policy purposes for holding reserves. Uh, in practice, that would imply changing the central bank statutes. You know, right now, the Federal Reserve statute is to what to keep a stable currency um and like low inflation or whatever which mm. they failed miserably at both but that's what they say um it would imply the central bank statutes or other key government governance documents which may face legal or political constraints mm -hmm. to the best of our knowledge no central bank has yet taken this step even though some already aim for sustainability as part of their current general mandate <laughs> And then uh, <clears throat> this is just a chart here, sustainability and central bank policy objectives. Yeah. Did you want to Does review this? Central bank includes sustainability considerations in pursuit of its own policy objectives. Do you think there is scope to include? It's okay. We can skip this. All right. And then we've got uh, this, or should we go down? As regards of a choice of tools for this sustainability, central bank's preference seems to be green bond investments, followed by the use of criteria encompassing social and governance considerations, ESG, in addition to environmental ones. 
Green bonds. Here we go. Features and trends. Green bonds are fixed income securities whose proceeds are used to finance new or existing eligible green projects, i.e. projects to combat pollution, climate change, or the depletion of biodiversity and natural resources. They are either asset-backed or asset-linked, and issuers must declare the types of green projects eligible to receive funds at issuance. Green bonds are the biggest part of the broader universe of socially responsible investments, which include bonds and equities, with equities meaning stocks, from issuers identified by so-called environmental, social, and governance ESG standards. All right, so there's lots of questions here. Who decides what's an eligible green project? The banks. Mm -hmm. Or in other words, the BIS or the UN. You know, if you have a forest and you want to put a bond on that forest, if the UN or the BIS doesn't classify your forest as a green project, you can't do it. So you got to follow their rules, folks. Yeah. So again, it's economic terrorism here, hijacking all this stuff. Yep. So is, yep. can you break can you break that down? Um just like in layman's terms, how it actually, how it works. So where, where is the green bond created? It's created at a bank or a central bank. So at or a, the IMF or the okay, world so, bank, you so know, we talked about blue it? bonds, which we've, we've got that documents in, in, in this trove of documents, the blue bond thing for, for Belize, where okay. they walk through, how it works. The reason it's called blue bonds because it's on the in the oceans. Green bonds are on land. Okay. It's the same features though. They that you have to set aside so much uh for conservation, or you you have to use this money to go build a solar farm or a wind farm, or you have to uh you know eliminate some carbon whatever um using the green bond money. Where where does the where is the money coming from? It says it's um, either asset backed or asset linked. Issuers must declare the types of green. Pro okay, uh, scroll green down. Bond. So here's different. Well, no, back to the chart. You, you scrolled too far. So here's the chart of where the the green bonds are growing issuance by country. And scroll up just a little bit, just above this this table. Or this chart, bar chart. Issuance has grown right underneath the highlight. It says issuance has grown rapidly in recent years, rising from less than 50 billion in 2014 to close to 230 billion in 2018. A key catalyst for market development was the 2014 introduction by the IP or, or International Capital Markets Association of the Green Bond Principles. Oh they God. govern the use of proceeds, the proceeds for project evaluation and selection, the management of proceeds. And reporting bonds meet the uh, green bond principles or the climate bond initiatives. Climate bond standards uh, are eligible for green bond certification by either third party providers or the CBI, which is the climate bond initiative. Uh, certificate we'll have some stuff from the climate bond initiative. I know we've got documents from them. Certification gives comfort to investors that the bonds confer environmental or climate related benefits so these bonds can originate from jp morgan or they can originate from the imf it's a bunch of banks it's not one 
Mm. Wow. See, it's like an entire industry of just made up garbage. Yep. This is cool. How do we get access to some of this money? That's what I'm interested in. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to know, Jim. What's going on here? How do we get some of this? This is what the audience yeah, wants to green. know. Can we pool our can we pool all of our skill sets and get access to some of this two hundred and forty billion dollars that's floating around? Yeah. <laughs> green bond liquidity. Outstanding amounts to also continue to be small relative to their conventional com comparators with 700 billion worth of green bond volumes compared with 120 trillion worth of conventional securities and hover over that yellow box folks that is 0 0.00625 so it <laughs> is less than almost one half of one percent of the total <laughs> market Yes. And they want to shove that down everybody's throat. Yeah, we need to figure this out. No, I mean this is crazy. It's like, come on here. How many how many people are out there do you believe in the whole world that actually completely understand this? Oh, uh, not many. Seven? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, there's got to be guys in the you know finance and money world that understand it because they want to make money off it. But I mean, is it? Do you think it's like a few? I, I don't know. It's not many. That's all I know. I don't know. So this is a table here: asset class summary statistics. So what they've got here? Don't hover over that just yet. Okay. So they've got U.S. dollar assets and euro assets, and they've got columns here for government bonds, green bonds, and conventional bonds. So they're comparing the different types of fixed in income securities, right? And they've got the average rate of return, the volatility, the expected, the probability of a negative return, and the, and, uh, the, uh, the duration, which is the same for all. But interestingly, of course, what they this shows is that the average rate of return is highest for green bonds, and the volatility is lowest for green bonds, and the probability of a negative return is lowest for green bonds. In other words, now you can hover over the uh, the little uh, comment: yep. rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> yep, sure it is. <laughs> I love rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> And then uh, they end the document. They end the document with, after all, there's more than one way to go green. <laughs> I got to break out. Um, hold on a second. We are going green, ladies and gentlemen. Give me one second here. All right. So this one is the BIS launches second green bond fund for central banks. Central. Mm -hmm. But we got to have this on the show from now on, Jim. Hold on one second. I got to break this out. For the video audience, you guys are really going to appreciate this. But our new mascot for going green with the BIS. Ladies and gentlemen, it is me, Kermit D. Frog here. And we are going green with the Bank for International Settlements. <laughs> hey, Miss Piggy, where are you? Now, that's our, our new mascot now for going green. <laughs> KTF. We're doing it. Kermit the Frog, great. <laughs> so uh, so this, this press release was in January of 2021. 
title is Dustin Red. The the BIS launches second green bond fund for central banks. 2021, it's the second green bond fund, not the 800th, it's the second. Um, so I just highlighted here that together the two BIS green bond funds, the first and the second, will manage $2 billion in green bonds for central banks with the expectation that the funds will continue to grow considerably. Folks, $2 billion for all the green bond, green bond funds in the entire planet is 20% of the one liquefied natural gas facility ExxonMobil is building. <laughs> oh, that is crazy. Just to put it into context. Okay, so this is uh, BIS Innovation Hub. Um, we've cause I've talked a little bit about that, uh, this on mm-hmm. the show with the Enbridge Project specifically, but I did not go through the whole document. So... Um, this one is, uh, was it Project Orem, a prototype a pro- for two-tier? Yeah, product, project Orem, right? The prototype for two-tier CBDC. We may not have time today to go through this document. Let's go through some of the other files you've got pulled up. All right, let's go to, this is Project Genesis. Oh, God, this yeah, one is 82 one. pages, Jim. Yeah, we won't have time uh, for that one now. This is one that we pulled up on here. This is Embridge. That's another gigantic one. Yeah. Let's see. We've got uh, BIS Green Swan. Oh, this one's 115 pages. I actually have not seen this one myself. It's a good one, but we will have to table it for another day. All right. Let's see. We've got uh, BlackRock Going Green Reset. This is a 16-page document. You want to look at this one? Sure. All right. This, this is August Black- of 2019. Mm-hmm. All right, now, let let me just make this clear. So the stuff that we were just pulling up, which is in Jim's November 30th file of what he sent to me, that was just four documents on various projects out of BIS uh, combining up to about 300, 350 pages. (laughs) This is why it's like you think you're going to fight this. You can't really fight it. I mean, you can do these things we talk about in, you know, your everyday life. And educate others to use cash and things like that. But this is why a lot of this stuff I say in, in the end, whether it takes them five years, 10 years, or 30 years, you know, it, a lot of this is inevitable because there's freaking millions of people working on this 24 7, 365. Yeah. This is why it took me a while after episode 88 to, to start up again because I read thousands of pages of documents. I don't even know you had time. You must have got the brain chip put in because this stuff's insanity. <laughs> well, you get pretty good at skimming and looking for key phrases and words, and then you stop and read, and you know, you don't like. Well, that, that's what that's what happens. Words. Yeah, and then your brain starts connecting, especially yeah. when you know some of the lingo. Your brain starts connecting all the dots, and you start actually seeing all the patterns, you know, between everything. Yeah, and there's a lot of technical stuff in there that really is less important for what we need to talk to to the broader broader audience, and you know don't need to know all those ty- types of details, so you can skip over those things. Yeah, and if anyone wants to actually understand it all, <laughs> you'll be able to download all these at uh, pain.tv/gold. Um, hopefully today or tomorrow. I know Mike uh, and the crew are back from the break, so I should be able to have them work on this but um yeah i mean if you want to but 
I don't know, Jim, you probably have hundreds of hours into this already, and you didn't actually read every single document in detail. Correct. All right, so this is BlackRock Investment Institute. You said August 2019, dealing with the next downturn from unconventional Folks, monetary what policy. This is, this is the going direct reset, all right? The, 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 what Jackson Hole was in August of 2019. Scroll back up, Dustin. When did this document come out? August, so there it is, August of 2019. BlackRock wrote the going direct reset for the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve implemented the going direct reset in March of 2020. Let's take a look at this here. Okay, so BlackRock says there's not enough monetary policy space to deal with the next downturn. The current policy space for global central banks is limited and will not be enough to respond to a significant, let alone a, let alone a dramatic downturn. Now, remember, this document comes out in August of 2019. The repo market goes haywire in September of 2019. In October of 2019, we have Event 201, where they simulate a coronavirus pandemic to the T. And then all of a sudden, January of 2020, voila, it all comes to fruition. Wow. Uh, okay, hold Black on. So one, one, one more time. You said this uh, was written in 2019. August Sep of 2019. Right. The September bank, 2019. The bank system, the repo market in the banking system in the U.S. was cratering or collapsing in September of 2019. The Fed then, steps uh, in to, to fix that. Okay. October of 2019, we have Event 201, which literally was one of those simulations Maria Albanese yeah. talked about. Oh, yeah. Where they yeah, literally we simula simulated COVID. Literally. Yeah. And then January, so, it all kicks off, yeah. It all kicks off. So yeah. it was, again, I can't prove this, but it seems plausible that COVID was cover for the banking system that they needed to fix. Well, and you know, you know what makes sense about this, Jim? Because I think you've, you and I have talked about it, at least privately. I've talked about it with Maria, many others. That in my, in my personal opinion, they could have got away with, the elites could have got away with a lot more during uh, mm -hmm. COVID land, the high school third of production, especially in the first few months, because they had people that were literally scared, like deathly afraid to come out of, even out of their house. And so I think if they rolled out the mRNA vaccines on like day seven, they probably would have had 90% of people that got them. So we always talk about how it doesn't seem like the technocrats, the elites, whatever, were fully prepared when they rolled out COVID because they could have got away with so much more if they did it faster. Maybe one of the reasons is they kicked this thing off faster than they planned on because of what you're saying here. Maybe they saw this big collapse coming and they said, you know, we got to roll this one out now, even though we're not ready for another year. You know, so they just That's rolled That's what it I've out. been thinking and talking about privately. It just seems like they weren't, they, they were getting it ready, but they weren't quite ready. And then the, they had a problem with the banking system which always starts in the repo market and again if you want more details on exactly what happened and exactly what the federal reserve did go to john titus's best evidence and watch those videos because yeah, and it pulls up their own data and proves it
Yeah, and I'm telling this does make a lot of sense now that you just laid out that short little timeline because uh, I mean I'm well aware of event 201. I think I was reviewing that on a podcast I used to produce like the day after COVID kicked out, we were doing a show on event 201. But um uh-huh. No, that makes a lot of sense because that is the thing that I never understood. I'm like, they roll this out and they literally could have got 90% of the country jabbed up in parking lots in the first week. They could have did anything they wanted in those though, that first month, really. And they just mm-hmm. weren't ready. I'm like, they always seem like they're behind the eight ball. But when you're orchestrating, you know, all of these problem reaction solution scenarios. Uh, and so say this banking uh, failure kicks off in the repo, re- repo market in September, you know, this is what happens. They have a lot of moving parts, you know, so it, it could have been that they didn't want that to collapse until the next year, but it was already starting. And so they said, shit, we got to roll this out, move, move to COVID land. We got to do this. And so now they're obviously, I mean, ever since COVID land kicked off, how many times have they tried something else? Like COVID, strain, BYZFF, monkey pox, chicken pox, chicken monkey pox. Like they've tried to, to kick it off again, uh, and it, it just hasn't worked to that scale. So my, my guess is they're regrouping. That's probably part of that catastrophic contagion uh, run by Bill Gates and Johns Hopkins, who ran Event 201. They may be gearing mm-hmm. up to do another one of these soon. So who knows? 